needs a whole heap of introduction. But uh, Shane has been with our uh, Bible college students and uh, our uh, ministry development school pastors just to yesterday and today. And I had to lecture the Bible college students after Shane. Now, there's two problems with that. Number one, it's like dipping your toe in the swimming pool after jumping in fully after listening to Shane. Two, their brains are so expanded and full and melted. I'm talking and they don't understand a word I'm saying. And what I'm saying is really good, Frosty. This is not, it's not happening. But Shane literally travels the world. Like, I mean, literally travels the world. He's shown me his itinerary, his schedule for the next, the rest of this year. It's insane. Like, he's literally in a different country every three days. Uh, he goes from here to Australia, then on to South Africa, and then South Africa to the home to the States. There's a big Rome, no, Rome. He's preaching in Rome. In, in, in what is what I'm told, what we're hearing on the grapevine is the largest Pentecostal church in Rome ever. That's ever in the existence of Rome, which is quite phenomenal. The, the problem is Elam hasn't started there yet. So once we do, it's just gonna be amazing. It's gonna be a move of God. I don't know about you guys, I feel called to Elam Rome. I feel like that's a, that's a word of the Lord. Frosty, you wanna come? We're going, you'll be my associate pastor, okay? I'll take the lead, you can, you can, you can do everything I don't wanna do and I'll just look good, all right. But, uh, what do you mean, oh? I've been around longer than him, it's picking order, people. And uh, Shane is just a phenomenal teacher of the Word of God. He, it's like peeling onion layers, man. We just go deep, deep, deep. Uh, you're gonna get, for, for those of you who've never heard Shane before, this will be like a little like brain explosion moment in a few minutes time. And it's gonna be like a, I need more of this, right? So you're gonna have that moment after this, you're gonna be like, I need more of this. Where do I get it? It's real easy. In the foyer, there's a table. It's got a whole bunch of Shane's resources. Can I tell you something real cool? Um, Shane lives by faith. His whole ministry, everywhere he goes, everything he does, he does not, this is his job. This is what he does. And he just lives by faith on these invitations. Everything that you, all the profit from all the resources out there all go towards his mission work. So this is, doesn't go to Shane. This goes to funding. What do you got, what's the thing? You can tell us about it. It's a mission work that's amazing. And he's gonna tell you all about it. But every, every dollar you spend there, every bit of profit is gonna go towards helping that. So listen, it's phenomenal material, phenomenal resources. It will grow you, it will expand you, it will deepen your faith, it will richen your walk with Jesus. And I know that is absolutely Shane's heart for everything that he does. And so it's our, it's our honour, Shane, and our joy to have you here, brother. We're so excited to hear from your church. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's welcome Shane as he comes to the stage. So good to be here with you. If you're the type who likes following an actual Bible, Numbers chapter 15. We're gonna get there in just a second. If not, I've created slides so we can follow along. As always, it's an honor to be here with my friends um, from Elam. Um, I was here last year, and I'm so excited to do uh, your conference next year uh, with my good friend Danny Gugliamucci. And uh, we're gonna have 
We're going to have some fun. You guys have become friends of mine. Uh, Steve, Bex, you guys are legends. I love you guys. I love the team here and the atmosphere you guys, uh, you, you guys create. It's just amazing. I don't know if I can live up to that introduction. That's one of the best introductions I've ever received in my entire life. But we're going we're gonna to give it a go. As he, as he said, CDs, DVDs, USBs, direct downloads, um, everything you buy now has an individual USB in it. So no matter what you get, you have it in all the formats for your phone or iPad or whatever you would put it on. 100% of that does go to several different projects we do. We have three orphanages in China that look after children with mental disabilities, two in Hinyang, one in Changsha. We also have a rescue home in Cape Town that gets girls out of sex trafficking. But we don't just do that. We get them off drugs, high school educated, and job trained so we can break the cycle of poverty in the Cape Town flats. <clears throat> We have a couple more things that we do. It's not worth mentioning. Just to remove all manipulation, because I, I just can't stand manipulation. It's as the sin of witchcraft. Just to remove all manipulation, we have an amount that requires us great faith to believe God for. And on May 1st, we already gave it. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't tell mentally handicapped children in China to wait and see if you buy, if they're gonna be okay. We have an amount that takes us great faith. On May 1st, we already gave it. On June 1st, we're gonna give it again. And what we do is we believe God throughout the month to make that up. And if during the course of that month we make more than what we gave, then we top it up. If we don't, then we just eat it. It's okay, because we believe that we're not simply called to go to heaven when we die. We are called to bring heaven to every place we see hell here. And so, <clears throat> so you can be a part of that by checking that out um, afterwards. If you could do me a favor, do it expediently, that would be, that, that would be awesome, all right? So, because um, I, gotta, I gotta pack it up and get it ready for the next place. So, how about a bit of a sermon? Now, when you look at the Bible, what I try to do is I try to answer two questions on the surface. One, what happened? And two, and more importantly, what is happening in me right now because of it. And so I want to look at this. Um, this is Numbers chapter 15. This is um, God saying to Moses, he's giving them fashion advice. If you could bring that first slide up for me, please. Here it comes. And this is Numbers 15 verse 37. And the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. Fashionable. You will have these tassels to look at so that you'll remember all the commands of the Lord, that you, may not, that, may you, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourself by chasing after the lust of your own hearts and eyes. Then you'll remember to obey all my commands and be consecrated to the Lord your God. For I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. For I am the Lord your God. So he says, I want you to make tassels and I want you to attach it to the corner of your garments. Why? Because I want to give you something to look at, to remind you that my ways are the best ways for your life, that my ways brought you from slavery to freedom. My ways brought you from Egypt to Israel. My ways are the best ways for your life. And I want you to attach these tassels to the corner of your garments. Now, there's a few things going on here that requires us to understand some basic language. Hit that next slide for me. So there's some several key words here. Social scientists tell me that you'll remember more of what I say if I get you to repeat it. So I want you to repeat this with some go all blacks gusto. Now, one thing about Elam culture is you guys have zero energy issues, all right? So I know we're gonna get we're gonna do this very, very well. I I I remember this probably a year and a half ago I was here and was telling the up tent template was just so much fun, all right? So we're gonna 
gonna, we're gonna do something like that again without that much participation. But the first word I want you to know is the word kanaf. Now, with some go all blacks gusto all together, I want you to say that word. It sounds like this, kanaf. Ready, go. Kanaf. Yeah, see, that's so good. <clears throat> Let's try that one more time just because it's fun. Ready, go. Kanaf. Now, the word kanaf, there's only 8,000 words in Hebrew. There's 80,000 in English, just to give you an idea, okay? So one word has to have lots of different meanings. So the word kanaf can mean corner, border, hem, or wings, or wings. I'll explain that in a second. The second word I want you to know is the word talit with the same amount of gusto. Let's try that again. Ready? Go. Talit. That's going to be the most important word we're going to talk about tonight. Let's try that again. Talit. Now, this was a talit. Let me see if I, give me a second. I'm going to put this on for you. Woohoo. <laughs> this was a talit. Now, a talit was the garment, but it was more than that. There was all this symbolism in the talit. Think of the talit like a flag. Like a New Zealand flag is literally just thread and cloth, but actually where all the power of the New Zealand flag is is in all the symbols that it stands for, right? So, so, a, so a talit was a garment literally, but figuratively and symbolically, it was an exact scale replica model of the veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. Like it was a two-scale model, because here's the thing, right? The veil that separated the Holy of Holies that held back the presence of God, that was something everybody wanted to see, but no one ever actually got to see it. It's, it's sort of like this. How many men in New Zealand would love to drive a Ferrari? All of them. How many of them can actually afford a Ferrari? None of them. So, so what they do is they buy these little scale model Ferraris and, and, and they put them up they put them up on their mantle, and in some primitive, deep place in their DNA, they're like, yep, own a Ferrari. It's, it's that. So what they did is they made these scale model things, and you could wear it. It's like you, you get to own your little piece of the presence of God. The, the idea behind the talit was always, when they heard the word talit, it was a garment. But in their mind and symbolism, it was God's presence. And, and you see this all through the scripture, put on Christ. Wear the garment of praise. Put on the presence of God. The idea is, is you can't organize your life where God is here but not there. That God is with you everywhere you go. Everything you do. Everything you say. In the Hebrew language, there is no word for spiritual. Why? Because your whole life is spiritual. How you treat that waitress when she's taking too long to take your order? Spiritual. God is in the middle of that. How you treat your husband when he leaves his underwear on the floor for the 18,000th time? Spiritual. God is in the middle of that. How you treat your wife when she does something that disappoints you? Spiritual. God is in the middle of that. How you treat someone who cuts you off in traffic in busy Auckland times? Spiritual. Spiritual. Yes, yes, you live in a city where whoever designed the roads thought no one would ever show up. Yes, I get it. 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 At least you have a motorway to the airport now, which is new, and it's awesome, I got to tell you. But here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. It's spiritual. You can't organize your life where God is here but not there. God is with you wherever you go. Everything you do, everything you say, everything you are, everything you are is surrounded in the presence of God. What they believed was that your best life is found in being God-conscious everywhere you go. And this was represented by a garment called a tallit. 
Now, the, the, the third word I want us to learn is the word teme. So come into play more later. So let's try that again. Ready? Go. Teme. Teme is unclean. So someone is, de- is declared, if someone had leprosy, they'd have to walk through town going, teme, teme, teme. Unclean, unclean, unclean. And then, of course, the, the, the opposite of unclean would be clean. And the Hebrew word for clean is tahor. So let's try that. Let's try that all together. Ready? Go. Tahor. Now I realize in English that sounds like the unclean one, but 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 it, but in Hebrew it's the exact opposite, right? So ta, tahor is is clean. Teme, teme, teme is unclean. So Numbers 15, God says, "Hey, I want you to take tassels. I want you to attach it to the kanaf of your tallit. I want I want you." The way you carry the presence of God, I want you to remember the tassels. So, which leads me to this. What was the symbolism in the tassels? Next slide. So I'm gonna hold this up so as many people can see it as possible. That is a properly tied tassel. As you can see there, there are five knots in that tassel. One for each book of the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So it wasn't like it was enough to just carry the presence of God. It was how you carried the presence of of God. Do you carry the presence of God as attached to the word of God. The idea, the, the idea that, that some people have God, some people don't. No. The whole, remember, Paul went through this exercise. He tried to figure out where Jesus isn't, and he's like, nope, the Spirit of the risen Christ is filling everything in every way, for in him all things consist, for he created all things, and in him all things hold together, for the Spirit of the risen Christ is filling all things. It's not like, hey, some people have God, and some people don't. God is for everybody. God's in everybody's breath. It's not about, well, he's the anointing. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. We all are carrying some sense of the life of God, or we would not be breathing. That's not the issue. The issue is how do you carry the presence of God? Do you carry it with the word of God attached to it? Also, in between those five knots are four spaces, one for each letter of the holy name Yahweh, Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey. So it wasn't just the word of God, it was the name of God. The name of God was defined in Exodus 34. He is the Lord, the Lord. He is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness. That is used all over the scriptures, most of the time positively. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name and forget not his benefits, for he is the compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness. God, who does not treat as our iniquities deserve, but gives us mercy that is new every morning. Sometimes it is spoken of negatively. When Jonah realized that God was going to be nice to his enemies, Jonah was like, I knew it. I knew you were going to be a compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness, God. See, Jonah had to learn a lesson that God is not nearly as interested in getting his enemies as we are, and God is not nearly as interested in getting you as your enemies are. God loves people. The test of ministry in the first century was not, are you biblical? Why? There was no Bible. The Bible we have was put together in the mid-300s. The test of ministry in the first century was, did you deliver that in a manner consistent with the name of God, the disposition of Messiah? Were you compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, about 
abounding in love and forgiveness. It is not simply about carrying the presence of God. It's are we carrying it attached to the word of God and the name of God? Are we being compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness? Oh, also in this tassel, it takes 613 loops to make that tassel. There are exactly 613 commands in the Torah. It's the word of God. It's the name of God. It's the ways of God. And then when you tie a tassel properly, it always comes off with eight strands. Eight in Hebrew culture is the number of new beginnings. It's the number of grace. It's the number of realizing, wait a minute, even if I mess up, there's fresh starts, second chances, do-overs, clean slates, and the opportunity to write a better story for your life. It's the presence of God as attached to the word of God, the name of God, the ways of God, and the remembrance of grace when we fail. So they would have these tassels to look at, and here's what they would do. When they wore the presence of God, their tallit, they would wrap the tassel around their hand like so. And they would remember God's ways brought me from slavery to freedom. God's ways brought me from darkness to light. God's ways brought me from Egypt to Israel. God's ways are the best ways for my life. So anytime before you could sin with your hand, you had to physically unwrap God. It was a deterrent to keep people from moving the wrong way. Hey, remember, there's this one time There's this one time Jesus said, beware of the Pharisees who wear their tassels too long. In other words, beware of people who make too big of an outward announcement of how spiritual they are. Normally they're not. Yeah. It's so true in your experience and mine. Like when I show up at a place and someone shows up and says, I'm the prayer warrior here. Normally not. <laughs> it's not true, normally not. Normally, the prayer warrior is somewhere yeah. pray praying. Yeah. Yeah. Right? 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 Hey, Shane, I'm the prophet of the house. Normally not. In my experience, real prophets never announce themselves as prophets. Real prophets are the one other people go, don't look at that guy in the eye. Right? <laughs> right? Right? Beware of the Pharisees because they wear their tassels too, too long. Remember, there's this, there's this one time uh, the psalmist said, that there's safety under the shadow of his wings. The word is kanaf. Like, does God have wings? No, 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 it's imagery. It's, it's wait a minute, it's under, it's under the protection of the word of God, the name of God, the ways of God, the grace of God, the nature of God, under the shadow of his wings. Oh, remember there's this one time? <laughs> there's this guy named David. And he kills a giant. Remember that? Right? And he gets very, very popular with everybody except for the king. And he ends up running fr from the king. And, and, he, and he ends up, what we find out in that story is that David is, is like a bad dude when it comes to hand-to-hand -hand combat. Right? Like bears, lions, no trouble, giant Philistine warriors, bring it on. Right? David is like Jack Bauer on speed. Right? Right? <laughs> But, but, when he, but when he tries to hide, they seem to always know where he is. Like one time, he ended up in a cave, and it says before he got there, 400 people were waiting on him, right? Like in a, like in a day with no cell phone tracking, like listen, as awesome as you are at hand-to-hand -hand combat, mate, you suck at hiding, right? Right? And so, and so he's, he's, he's running around hiding in different caves. And it says, remember it says, it says that Saul 
went into a cave to use the toilet. Right? That's pretty funny. Yeah. So Saul goes into a cave to use the toilet. And it says it just happened to be a cave David was already in. And, and evidently David's eyes were adjusted from the darkness. And so Saul is in there going to the, the actual Hebrew. He went in there to uncover his feet. <laughs> And it says that David snuck up behind him and he cut off the corner of Saul's garment and then left. Saul finishes going to the toilet, grabs his garment, walks out in the sunlight, and he goes to wrap the tassels around his hand as was their custom. But what can't he find? He can't find the corner, well, hang on, if Saul's the king of Israel, what would have been attached to the corner of his garment? Tassels. And David is in the distance holding up Saul's tassel. And it says, and Saul took it as a reproach. Of course he did. What's David saying? I cannot touch the presence of God on you. That is above my pay grade. But what I can do is give commentary that the way you're carrying it is tassel-free. You've lost sight of something. I cannot, I cannot touch God's anointing on you, his presence. That is up to God and no one else. But I can say that you've lost sight of the word of God, the name of God, the ways of God, the grace of God. I, you have lost sight of something. I can't do anything thing about this, but I can give commentary on your tassel. <laughs> right? There's this interesting prophecy that comes about. It's in the last book of the Old Testament. A guy named Malachi gives a prophecy about how you'll know when Messiah has come amongst you. Check this out. Next slide. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise when healing in its wings. The word is kanaf. In other words, you'll know that Messiah is the real deal when he shows up and there's healing in the corner of his garment. Oh, Mark chapter 5 there's a guy named Jairus, and Jairus' daughter is very ill. And so Jairus comes to Jesus, and he asks Jesus to pray for his daughter because his daughter's very ill. So Mark chapter 5 is all about Jesus going to pray for Jairus' daughter because Jairus' daughter is very sick. And if somebody doesn't do something, Jairus' daughter is going to die. So Mark chapter 5 is all about Jairus' daughter. And what's going to happen next is pretty spectacular. And it can distract us from the fact that the whole thing is about Jesus going to pray for Jairus' daughter. So we don't want to forget that it's all about Jairus' daughter because if we forget it's about Jairus' daughter, then we're going to lose sight of the main point of the whole thing. So let's remember while we read this that this is all about Jesus going to pray for Jairus' daughter because Jairus' daughter is very sick and we don't want to lose sight of the whole thing that it's about Jairus' daughter because what happens next is a crazy sounding miracle that oftentimes distracts us and we just stop preaching and we forget the fact that Jesus is going to go pray for Jairus' daughter. So for tonight, we're not going to forget the fact that it's all about Jairus' daughter and Jesus is going to go minister to Jairus' daughter because we're going to keep it in our mind that this is all about Jairus' When Jesus had once again uh, crossed over by boat to the other side of a lake, uh, the large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus 
came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. It's a posture of like begging, please, I need your help. And he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter's dying. Please come put your hands on her so that she'll be healed and lived. Jesus went with him. So Jesus is going to go pray for Jairus' daughter. Because Jairus' daughter is very sick. And Jesus has compassion. So Jesus is going to go pray for Jairus' daughter. We've got to remember this is all about him going to pray for Jairus' daughter. And on the way to pray for Jairus' daughter, something crazy happens. It says that on the way there, a lady with an issue of bleeding for 12 years busted through the crowd to touch him. Now, this is an odd story. Now, to understand this, we have to understand that rabbis, Hebrew people, the ancient writers, they wrote and interpreted the Bible through four levels. If you're a nerd and you need to know the name of those four levels, it is Peshat, Ramez, Drosh, and Sud. If you're not a nerd, one, two, three, four. Now, <laughs> the Peshat is what plainly is happening. What's plainly happening is Jesus is going to go pray for this little girl. And on the way there, a lady with presumably a horrendous female issue that there was no, um, there was no treatment for, and she'd evidently been struggling with it for a very long time, she hears that Jesus is coming by and she's trying to get to Jesus. That's on the first level. The second level is a remez, which is a hint or an illusion. Like anytime you see a writer go, she's been bleeding for 12 years, your ears should perk up and go, how'd they know that? What if it was 11 years and nine months? Who was counting that? Like, what if, it was, what if it was really 15 years and she kept it quiet for three? Like, like anytime you see a writer go, 12, you got to ask, how did the first century people hear that? And when an ancient Jewish culture heard 12, what did they hear? 12 tribes. This is us. So on one level, this is about one lady at one moment at one time needing healing for her issue of bleeding. But on a whole nother level, this is about an entire nation who's leaking life and in desperate need of a touch from Messiah. This isn't just about one lady at one moment at one time. This is about me and it's about you and it's about where we tend to leak life. And the only hope for our life is at some point getting to touch Messiah. So... She starts busting through the crowd. Now, this is when it gets a little, right? We got to understand that, that in, in Hebrew culture, there's two types of people. There are Tameh people, unclean, and there are Tahor people, clean. And so you're either unclean or clean. And they made it very difficult to stay clean because what they found was is that it's very profitable to profiteer on people's spiritual guilt. So here's what they did. They started calling lots of things unclean and then demanding you go get a sacrifice to make yourself clean and touchable again. And of course, you had to pay a priest Every time you did this, it was incredibly profitable. See, we define sin very poorly. We define sin as when we do bad things. Okay, but sin is anything that's not perfect. Actually, uh, according to the book of Leviticus, it's a sin to have dandruff. Why don't you check your neighbor right now and see if they're living in sin? <laughs> check them out. Right? It was a sin to have any sort of skin condition. Oh, by the way, it, by the way, this is true. In the, in the Old Testament, it was a sin to give birth. In Leviticus 12, it says, after a woman gives birth, she must bring an offering to atone for her sin of loss of blood. Why? 
Because pain and childbirth wasn't a part of the original plan. Therefore, it was sin. Oh, by the way, it was a sin to have a period because that wasn't part of the original plan either. And so if you had dandruff, Tamay. If you'd given birth for the first 60 days after that, Tamay. If you, if you were on your period, Tamay. And here's the thing, Tamay was very contagious. So, so if someone had dandruff and, and they're unclean and you touch them, now you're unclean and everybody's gotta go to the temple to buy, so it was a very oppressive, um, profitable sort of thing. But then again, then again, of course, then people made it harder, and they made a bunch of man-made rules on top of that to even make it harder, as if that wasn't hard enough. So they said, not only is it a sin to have a period, it's a sin to touch a chair where a woman who's been on her period has sat in the last three days. I don't even know how you lived back then. Like, like if you're here tonight, and you're on your period, could you just raise your hand so we know not to touch you? Like, that is so weird. It's so weird. And oh, and if you're not willing to raise your hand, would you just leave a sign in your chair so we know not to touch that? Right? Like, it's just weird. Who could live like that? They made all these extra rules. Like, here's one it was a sin to touch furniture where a married couple had been intimate in the last three days. Well, how'd you know? And who, like, what do you do? Like, I, 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 was, teaching, I was teaching this in a pastor's house once. And he made everybody get off the sofa. And y'all get up. Y'all get up. He was 75. My new hero. So think about it. Think about it, right? I feel like I'm in junior high science right now. Think. But think about it, let's come back to the lady. Jesus is going to pray for Jairus. Yes, now, if this lady has been bleeding for 12 years, what does that mean about her? She would be unclean. Now let's stop and let's read this emotionally. Where's the doctrine? Hang on, let's feel for a second. If you're a lady and you've had female bleeding for 12 years. How are you feeling physically? Not good. How are you feeling emotionally? Let me paint the picture. She would not have been purposely touched for 12 years. She would have walked into a room. People would have put their hands behind their back. And it wasn't because they were being mean. They literally couldn't afford to touch her. Wow. What is she feeling like? And here's what she hears. The Messiah, the one who says he's Messiah, he's close. And if he is who he says he is, if I can get to the kanaf of his garment, there'll be healing in the tassels. There'll be healing in the way Messiah carries the presence of God by the word of God, name of God, ways of God, grace of God. There'll be healing in his wings. But how could she possibly, as an outcast, how could she possibly get close enough Hang on, she's Tamay. <laughs> I'll just put my elbows out. Excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. Pardon. Right? And there'll be a path. You like her already. And she reaches up and she grabs the corner of his garment and gets instantly healed. Yeah, but here's where it gets weird. Jesus doesn't address the healing. He just turns to her and says, go in peace. 
go in shalom. Don't make the next husband pay for the rejection of the first one. Don't make the next group of friends pay for the rejection of the first group. Don't do that. And if we're honest, Jesus breaks all modus operandi. Like, think about it. When Jesus heals people, 99% of the time, what does he say? Let's, let's keep this on the down low, shall we? Right? Not this time. This lady busts through and grabs the corner of his garment, and Jesus does something you never see him do before, and you never see him do after. What's he do? Who touched me? Who touched me? Power has left from me. <laughs> does that sound like Jesus to you? No, it sounds like Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Luke, the force, has left me. What? So weird, right? Who touched me? Who touched me? Power has left from me. Then the story turns really, really dark. Remember Jesus is going to go pray for? And evidently the interruption to that, to that schedule ends up with fatal Results And this little girl dies. And watch the sensitivity at which they report it. Next slide. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Jairus, your daughter's dead. Why bother the rabbi anymore? How insensitive can you be? Jairus, your daughter's dead. No need to bother the rabbi. Now, let's read that emotionally. If you, have a, if you have a child and you just found out she's dead, what is your first emotion? Unbelief. Second emotion, devastation. Third emotion, anger. At who? No, not Jesus. You can't be mad at the Lord. <laughs> at the lady. Stupid lady, been bleeding 12 years, can't wait 20 minutes. God! You know, if it wasn't for you stopping the process, he would have made it to my little girl. But because you stopped the process, my little girl's dead because of you. Jairus, your daughter's dead. Why bother the rabbi anymore? Now, why would they be so rude? A couple of things we got to understand here. In their law, it was against the law to knowingly walk into a room where you knew a dead body is. So they're protecting Jairus as the synagogue leader, and they're protecting Jesus, the rabbi, from breaking all the law. You can't knowingly walk into a room where a dead body is. Unless you're already considered Tamay by the general public. <laughs> Who touched me? Who touched me? Power has left from me. I need everybody to look here. I need everybody to see. This lady with an issue of bleeding, she just touched me. I need all of you to think I'm unclean. What's happening in the story is the one who knew no sin was willing to become unclean so that someone else can taste wholeness. This is the whole gospel in one moment. 
I need all of you to think I'm unclean. Why? He knew that girl was going to die. And if he's not considered unclean by the general public, they don't even let him in the room. But because of the interruption, the next miracle is possible. Here's the thing. If God can't interrupt your pre-planned schedule, sometimes you will miss some of the greatest things God might ever do. What seems like a disastrous interruption is actually just a fresh start, a second chance, a clean slate, and the opportunity to write a better story. Shane, I lost my job. Good, it's probably that time you started that business you've been dreaming about for seven years. Now let's get on with it. In this story, what looked like the disastrous interruption is actually the very thing that gave him access to the room with the dead girl. Now, Jesus covers his bases. And he says, ah, she's not dead. She's asleep. (laughs) Wink, wink. Watch what happens. And he went in and he said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? As you can imagine, if a child dies, there's, there's just people weeping and going, carrying on. Why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. And after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with them. And he went in. Now hang on before we go further. Hold on. What is this called again? Every, it's called a tallit. Everybody together? Tallit. Let's try that again. Tallit. And when they said tallit, it was literally a garment. But symbolically, it was wearing the presence of God. And attached to the tallit were tassels. If Jesus is a Jew, which he is, what would he have had attached to the corner of his garment? Tassels. And he would have had it wrapped around his hand. Now watch what happens. Next slide. And And he took her by the hand. Hold on. If it's against the law to walk into the presence of the dead, is it against the law to touch a dead thing? Oh, yeah. If she doesn't breathe, we got a real problem. Think about the faith Jesus has here. He reaches down and he takes her by the hand. So in the first part of the story, you have a lady getting her miracle because she's reaching up for Jesus. In the second part, you have a little girl getting her miracle because Jesus is reaching down for her. Sometimes you'll get a touch from God because you're desperately seeking God. Sometimes you're getting that touch from God because God is desperately seeking you. Even after you're dead and it appears like there is no hope, Jesus is still coming. Watch what happens. And he took her by the hand and he said to her, Talit! Talit, ha, kum, little girl, I say to you, get up. But remember, in their culture, the talit was the presence of God. Talit, ha, kum, my child, the presence of God is here. It's time for you to get up. My child, the presence of God, arise. My child, the presence of God is here. Get up. And I'm telling you, I've spent the last three weeks in your great country. And I waited to right now, because I couldn't wait to come here tonight. And this is the one reason I came, to stand on this stage and say, Talit Ha-Kum, my child, the presence of God is here. It is time for you to get up. You say, Shane, I lost my job. Yeah, five years ago. 
get over it. It's time to get up. But Shane, they left me. Man, put everything into that relationship. And they left me. Oh, God. Yeah, six years ago. And God did you a favor. Ask your friends. She was a bit Looney Tunes. Get up. But Shane, he left me. Oh, man. Yes, he was abusive, isolative, controlling, and jealous. Get over it. Get your head up. Get your shoulders back. Keep your hands clean and your heart pure and your taste sweet. And write a better story for your life. Talit Hakum, my child, the presence of God is here. Get up. See, it is irresponsible of me. And I, I couldn't live with myself if I did this. It's irresponsible of me to teach this without pointing this out. It is irresponsible and unwise to presume upon the power of God to fix something that's easily fixable ourselves. Like, I'm positive I speak for the leaders of the church here on this, but if I don't, I humbly apologize because it's not my place. But if you get lung cancer, we will pray heartily for you to be healed of lung cancer. Right? right? And believe God to heal you. But we would much rather you quit smoking today than need a miracle in 25 years. Right? If you have a financial need, we're going to pray heartily for your financial need to have breakthrough. But we would much rather you get up before 10 a.m. and get a job and go to work early and stay late and work hard and be diligent and live with wisdom than need a financial miracle every single week of our life. Right? Like maybe, I don't know if I'm getting that across. Um, maybe Joyce Meyer, like, like if I get Joyce Meyer on you, like, um, um, if it's within the power to change your life, get off your butt and change your life. Don't you come back. Don't you make me come back here next year and find you in the exact same place. You get off your butt and you change your life. Right? If you don't like Joyce, maybe, uh, uh, maybe Joel Osteen. You're a champion. God loves you. You don't let that devil get in your head and get you all negative. You tell him to go on back to hell where he came from. Me and Victoria, we was talking the other day about what daddy used to say about y'all. And y'all aren't just beautiful people. Y'all are champions. So the next time that devil gets in your head and goes round and round and round and round, you just reach deeper down inside of you and you become the champion God intended you to be. Whatever. Whatever works. Here's the thing. If you can change your life, change your life. It is irresponsible to presume upon God's grace to fix stupidity. It's, it's, it's the second temptation of Christ. Hey, Jesus, throw yourself off a cliff. God's got a big plan for your life. He'll probably rescue you. Jesus is like, well, probably, but why would I test him when I could just not jump, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. If you live long enough, there is gonna be a moment where you take all your medicine, you do everything the doctors say, because that's wise. It's not enough, it's not. There's gonna be a moment where you put everything into the relationship and they're not interested. 
There's going to be a moment where you parent your children the best you can. And it appears like one of them's turning into a lunatic. <laughs> if you live long enough, there's a moment where after doing all you can do, your only hope is a touch from the corner of his garment. And whether, whether you're reaching up for him or whether he's reaching down for you, sometimes that is your only hope. Sometimes we have to have a moment where we remind ourselves, God is God, I am not. And I'm going to leave all of this. I, have, I could say before God, I've done everything in my power. And now, that is all I have. And watch what happens. Next slide. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. Oh, hang on. How old was she? <laughs> oh, Little parentheses, 12. So, so this lady started bleeding the same time this little girl was born. Maybe they knew each other. I don't know. I know it's not the point. <laughs> the point is this isn't just about one lady and one little girl. This is about me and you and a nation that desperately needs a touch from the corner of his garment. And he gave strict and at this, they were completely astonished. Yes. And he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. That's the Jesus I know. And he told them to give her something to eat. Why? Because evidently, rising from the dead, you work up an appetite. <laughs> if I could have the musicians back, please. A professional wouldn't have done that. That was my bad. <laughs> hey, I know what I'll do. I'll put the mic right by the monitor. It'll be hilarious. Here's the thing. In just a second, I'm going to step off the stage. And um, I'm going to let you have a moment with God. And I'm going to leave that there. I do need that back at the end of the night, okay? But let me be clear. Those are my tassels. They have no inherent power. They're symbolic in nature. But if you're the kind of person that it helps you to have some sort of tactile thing, um, we're going to enter into a moment of surrender and worship. And, and if you need someone to pray for you, there's lots of people here that'll pray for you. Um, I taught Bible college stuff all day. All those people could pray for you. The staff here could pray for you, whatever. But if you, if you need... Maybe you're like, you know what? I just need a moment with the tassel. And here's what this is about. This isn't about asking God to fix something you could fix. This is about I'm at the end and I'm gonna bring my brokenness and I'm gonna bring the end and I'm gonna submit that to a touch from God. So let's, let's, let's be quiet before the Lord for a second and cancel the white noise of our week and Why don't you just have a moment there with God where you 
Holy Spirit, I, I name my issue. If, if you don't touch it, nothing can happen. And I'm gonna bring that brokenness to you tonight. I'm gonna ask you to enter into it with me. I'm not even necessarily asking you to fix it, but just to be present with it in me. I just trust you that much. There's someone here and you're on the right side of, my, of the room, on my right over here. And I feel like the Lord is saying that you have a kidney problem and um, you, you are smart. You're doing the medicine and you're doing everything, but it, it, it causes you great grief with your life. And um, um, as tonight closes down and the presence of God settles over us, I'm gonna believe that God's gonna heal that for you. And, Maybe tonight is your night. We're gonna believe that together. I feel like there's someone over here and your, your adult child is 26 years old and they're way off the rails. It causes you incredible grief, like incredible grief. And there's literally nothing you could do. And it's time for you to bring that brokenness to the presence of God. I feel like there's someone right in here and your problem is at the base of your skull. It gives you incredible pain. And it's not like you haven't done what you can do. You've done what you could do. I think tonight could be your night. You've been sitting long enough. Why don't you stand with me? Um, and if you're here tonight and you've never really received Jesus and you'd like to, you could just, if, you, if you'd like something to say, you could say something like this, Lord Jesus, tonight I'm gonna trust that your version of my life story is better than the one I've written on my own. And um, I'm gonna trust that version of my life and um, I'd like you to teach me how to live. You can be a part of this. Um, for most of us, it's Tuesday night, you're in church. I'm feeling no pressure to be an evangelist. And there's, there's really not a lot of room to do like a big altar call, and, and nor is that really my style. But I, 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 but I do want you to have a moment in the presence of God where you're allowed to bring the things beyond your control and bring it to the presence of God. If you need a moment with the tassels, here it is. If you just need someone to pray with you, there it is. If you need to be quiet in the presence of God, that is for you as well. But I minister the name of God. Lord, let this place be a dwelling place for your name. The compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, God. Let this place be a dwelling place for your name and minister that spirit across this room. Just now, just there, there. Just minister that spirit across this room. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, God. Let healing flow, provision flow, peace flow. Let everything that's in that name flow. Would you look this way? Thank you so much for letting me be part of your, of your life tonight. You've been so kind to me. You're such a, the best group of people to preach to. I can't wait to see you again next year. Here's what I'm gonna do so that I'm not distracting. I'm gonna step off the stage and I'm gonna let the musicians do their thing. And you have your moment in the presence of God. If you need to come down, come down. If you're fine where you are, that's fine as well. But until I see you next time, talit ha kum, my child, the presence of God is here. It is time for you to arise. See you next time, everybody. Grace and peace.